0: This is Living Forever, Not an Option, a podcast brought to you by Care Dimensions, a provider of hospice, palliative care and support services in Massachusetts. Your hosts are Lynn Skarmis and Mary Crow. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to our ninth episode of Living Forever, Not an Option with your host, Lynn Skarmis and Mary Crow of Care Dimensions. Now, our topic today is living with a serious illness. Okay, Mary, so I know year after year, life expectancy does rise. So what I did, you know, a little research, projected um, life expectancy for people who were born in 2005 is nearly 78 years. Now, remember, back in the 50s, life expectancy was around 70, so it does keep going up. Oh, yeah. I know, so the good news is, yeah, people are living la- longer but it also means that many americans and i'm saying americans because that's where our research is at will experience living with a serious illness mm-hmm. and a lot of a most progressive and some life limiting illnesses so first mary you know we're talking about okay our topic today is living with a serious illness but i think first we have to tell our listeners what is considered a serious illness? It's a good question, Lynn, and I think one of the definitions that I have found, which
1: I feel is like you know most accurate, is it's, we're talking about people who have complex pressing care needs because of a particular disease, uh, whether that be like a metastatic cancer or a lung disease, a lung cancer, or ALS, uh, where you're suffering breathing difficulties, things like that. But people who, for a period of years, are acquiring self-care, uh, disability. They're they're at the end of their life. The conditions that affect cognition, neuromuscular uh, impairments from having strokes, organ system failure, frailty, all of those things because of advanced age or or other infirmities.
0: So could we could you consider like CHF, COPD? Are those considered serious illnesses? Oh, when, when they're advancing, Surely. right? Surely. Kidney disease. Yes. Um, and like you said. Alzheimer's dementia. Oh, absolutely. So all those different diseases absolutely. that we have talked about in our other podcast as end of life diseases, but before they become an end of life disease, are they they're considered a serious they illness? They sure are. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Every day, there's so many people giving being given the news that you know they have a serious illness, and these illnesses they may progress at a slow or fast rate, and may unfold over periods of time. With this happening, with so many people being affected. You know what should people do when they're diagnosed with a serious illness yeah this is so shocking when people hear the news
1: that they have a a serious or whether it be again life limiting or these long serious illnesses Uh, and sometimes not it depends on how it unfolds as you mentioned it can be shorter or longer and there's this initial shock that you're faced with and for people you know they have to their their world they enter into this anor- uh, a, a new what's normal world for them so it's people have to make this adjustment they need to learn how to live in this new world so they have to take time to deal with their feelings and just to, to acknowledge it to let it sink in this is shocking for people uh, when they, when they're hearing this news for the first time, and it's really important, too, that people don't make any major decisions right away. Now, there are situations where people are faced and given bad news and, and in terms of a serious illness when maybe they don't have a lot of time. So they have to make decisions really more quickly. They have to quickly. get that surgery right away yeah. and they have to have that chemotherapy. or stop that treatment. Yep. Exactly, okay. exactly. But for others where this, again, this disease, for many other serious illnesses where it's going to inf- unfold over time, those are the ones where you have to let it sink in let it wait wait a bit before you start making any major decisions you got to wait till your your mind clears a bit so that you can make these these uh these decisions really having your wits about you as best you can
0: well and even let the shock you know go away first you know exactly. you're going to be in shock oh basically. absolutely, absolutely. Um, and you need to be be able to to think again like you're saying
1: right yeah yeah it's it's different it's it's absolutely different and it's important that people also learn about their condition uh, that they you know talk to people, you get referrals, find out who provides this expert care, expert medical care in that area specific to to the illness that you're dealing with. Identifying best hospitals, clinics, doctors, creating a plan. And again, a lot of times people don't create a plan. They kind of they're so immobilized by hearing the news that, that they don't. Or if they, they feel like if they ignore it that it, it won't happen. It will Might go, go away. Yeah, Might it's, go away. Yep. it's you know Put your we talk in the about sand. that a yep. lot. Exactly. You know, uh, but planning won't change the reality of the diagnosis, but it can certainly change how you feel about or deal with the illness, and, and that's a major thing. Uh, ask questions. You know, a lot of times I think when people are hearing things for the first time, too, they they don't ask a lot of questions. They don't even know what questions to ask. Mm-hmm. So even if it's not right away, they need to be able to
0: to go, ask even them go, to go back. I like, think don't it's a good be, idea. I know you go to the doctor's appointment, you hear something, you're like, oh, OK, OK. And you go home and then you're like, oh, crap, you know, yeah. and, you, and you start writing things down. And don't be afraid to make that appointment. Call right. back and say, I need to meet my with my doctor again. Right. I have a lot of questions around this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be proactive and really um, nobody's going to be, no one's going to advocate for you except yourself, really. So Absolutely. So you need to go then go back and really sit with the doctor and ask the questions.
1: Absolutely. It's important to, if you're going to an appointment where you potentially could get bad news, don't go alone. You really should have somebody there with you. Now, sometimes we're not even aware that we're going to get bad well, that's news. That's the thing, right? Right. You don't so, know. But but that's where I I like to press the healthcare professionals too, where they're encouraging people to have somebody with them. But if there's any potential, or if again, if you're if you're having symptoms or things like that, you should have somebody there because sometimes you can get news you're not processing it, and it's important that somebody else be there to to hear it to hear what you're not hearing because, again, this is so overwhelming for you, and and to be able to take that, those notes down, things like that, that can be maybe an impartial observer, that sort of thing. Now, it might be a family member, and they're being hit in the same way too, but it's a second set of ears, and they might have questions that you can't think of at the time. So, but I do like the point about going back. I I think that it's okay to then set up an appointment and go back early on. I'm
0: one of those people that have to process. Yeah. So for me, I'd be sitting there, you know, pretty shocked. And then I'd go home and I'd think and think and think, write everything down, or talk to family members, talk to course, I have so many friends that are nurses and doctors yeah. and uh, nurse practitioners being in our our business, which is hospice, that I would start asking questions and then go back. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah. And and that's the thing, because there are going to be many questions, like we said, that you're not processing. So this is a good thing. The other thing, too, is that if if you really are not getting questions answered or they don't feel satisfactory in nature in terms of what you're hearing, you can always get another
0: opinion. People are becoming better uh, advocates for themselves. I think with the internet we yep. can find Yep. We can find those second opinions. You know, before yeah. you would you would basically say to your doctor, Okay, well what do you suggest I do? And and they were they were the almighty, they were the professional and we'd yep. go, Okay, but nowadays who's not on the internet? Yeah. Looking for resources, looking for articles, looking for Doctors that are expert in that type of disease that you've been diagnosed with, absolutely, and word of mouth,
1: right? And word and getting mouth. that, and like you say, you've got a lot of friends that are in the health field, so you you know who to turn to, ask. You're networking when you're when you're doing that and pursuing health care for you or your family, right? Sure. Getting that information, uh, I think the other piece to that too is a generational piece, where the baby boomers are just a much stronger population who are are, are again better advocates for themselves, strong advocates, and and strong consumers so they have a, a better handle and they want to, they want to take charge of their health care choices. So we're, we're seeing changes in that that regard too. So you got to ask those questions. you gotta um, like I said, bring somebody to the appointment with you, take notes. For the accuracy, things like that. Keep you got to keep moving forward too. When you have, when you're being given this, it's hard as it, it's immobilizing. But it's important that you do keep going forward uh, in terms of where to go from here. After that initial shock that you rec- you referred to, you, you we got to go forward. We we can't remain stagnant. We got to we got to get things moving on about where to go from here. What's our next uh, chain of events? Not going it alone. I think that's another huge piece.
0: Mm-hmm. I see that, especially with the elderly, oh. I, with anybody. Yeah. But I, I, I'm going to do a personal example. I have my father. He's 86 years old. He actually said to my older sister, oh, I don't go any, I, I don't talk to the doctors anymore. Your sister does. Yeah. Because I'm the one advocating yeah. for him. And I'm the one asking questions and remembering and bringing up things that he might not have remembered. And he doesn't go it alone. Yeah. I'm um, right there next to him in all his appointments now, too. And
1: he's not saying don't, right? No, he's, 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 he's actually, welcoming it. Absolutely. Right. There's, there's there's some comfort in that, and knowing that you have that extra layer of support, and that you're hearing those things that maybe are getting by him and all that. So that's wonderful when people, you know, and it doesn't make him less independent. No, I because feel he is it makes very him, independent. Yeah, right. And it makes them more independent because the more support we have, the better, every more independent we are, right? Is when we let help in. That's the counterintuitive piece. I always say the more that we let people in to help us in certain situations, is the more independent we can be. We got to build that support team, and and we got to make a plan. We got to be able to where to go from here. I think those are the main things I would say in terms of when starting someone's diagnosed, out, yeah. starting
0: out. <laughs> More about Care Dimensions. Care Dimensions provides compassionate care throughout all stages of an advancing illness. Our expansive services and expert staff honor the richness of patients' lives, addressing complex medical issues as well as emotional, spiritual, and family concerns. We treat patients with dignity and respect so they may live as fully as possible. Care Dimensions one of the nation's first hospice programs and the region's largest, provides services in more than 95 communities in eastern Massachusetts. For more information, please visit our website at www.caredimensions.org or call us at 888-283-1722. We get this news. We're, we're trying to figure out what to do. We're making our plan. What are the challenges that these individuals and families, I know I always say individuals, but the families are impacted anyways. What What are the challenges these individuals face when they're diagnosed with a serious illness? And I'm sure there's different levels because as the disease progresses, but Go through kind of a scenario. Yeah, and like you say, even with, uh, there are different diseases.
1: They're going to go at different paces. They're going to be, it's, it's going to be a different picture. You can have 100 people with the same uh, serious illness, and how that unfolds is going to be very different. So it's going to vary, too, in terms of curative treatments and, and what's available. And, the, you know, the, some of the benefits of curative uh, or curative treatments, they're limited. So I think that's one of the things is that, you know, some people will live with a serious illness and really curative treatment isn't the goal. It's really because it's really not available. So it's really how do you manage symptoms and things like that. So I think that the limitations around curative treatments is one of the things. Uh, that, but the, uh, you know the healthcare system, Lynn. It's oh, it's yeah. it's exclusively, almost exclusively focused on the treatment of acute, and irreversible illness, rather than on supporting quality of life and daily functioning. That's that's what we do, right? And that's that's, that's what, what palliative care yeah, and hospice does. Yes. You know, and that's not generally what happens. It's all about cure, 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 even when medical intervention is futile and i think that puts people it's a real
0: challenge for people it puts them in a real predicament there and then it's you know it's balancing quality over quantity or quality over what they think is a treatment, but is your quality of life any good? And how are you spending those last months, that last year? Right. There's
1: also a gap, I think, between what uh, people need and want from medical care and what they actually experience. I still think we're not doing enough around asking people what their priorities are and what their needs are and what their expectations are in that way. So I think the more that we um, ascertain an individual's priorities, that I think there's a better understanding of what their treatment options are and things like that, I think people's quality of life is going to be better. So there's still gaps in these areas and challenges that people face when having a serious illness.
0: Yeah, because you figure you're diagnosed, your primary care or whoever, your neurologist, whoever is diagnosing you, they go right into that don't they kind of go right into like yeah. that cure mold? Yeah. Does anybody ever say to them, well, okay, so why don't you go home and think about this, come back in a week, and we'll discuss what your priorities are, we'll discuss treatment options. I think they go right for the treatment, right for the medication, right yeah. for the treatment. And So it, it's interesting when you say people have to put their plan together, they have to put their priorities, they look have to look at their quality of life and what's Absolutely. down the road for them. Right. Yeah,
1: I, I love that point. Of a, I really do think that there should be a follow-up appointment immediately like a week or two a later. A week or two later. Let's just, like, just have time to if, so, yeah, it, if things, things like can wait. Yeah, if things can wait,
0: yeah, come back in and yeah. have someone sit down and really spend the time and talk. Yeah. And that's what I know we've done. We did our podcast on advanced care planning. And right. that's what we constantly talk about. It's planning and it's getting your wishes down and, you know, getting your goals down. But it's the same thing when you're probably when you're diagnosed with a serious illness. Yes. You have to take into effect the curative as well as the goals or, or the treatment as well as goals and priorities. Yeah,
1: you know, and, and just quality. sharing a personal experience, Lynn. Recently, a, a person in my family system was, uh, was diagnosed with a serious illness, and we weren't prepared that that was going to happen. So they went to the doctor, and then here you are, and you're, you're given a, a serious diagnosis, and they didn't have anybody with them. So that's the first step because it wasn't even on the radar that that bad news was going to be given. The other part of that was that it was this, okay, this is what's going on. See you in three months.
0: Yeah. Just send them home. Yes. See you in three months. Yeah. You go wary. You go stressed. You go do your own research and get more worried because everything on the Internet, you know, can scare the the, (laughs) the bejesus (laughs) out of you. Yes. (laughs) Uh, And then come back in three months. Yes. But that's not what happened
1: because then again as I just mentioned, be your own advocate. And when, as a family, you get to talk about these things, and this is what I want families doing, is talking more. When they had, and we talk about this all the time in terms of having the discussions. After having a discussion more openly, it was like in two weeks. Actually, certain family members went back to the doctor together as a group and had a list of questions. Questions, taking yeah. notes. Yeah.
0: Everybody hears something a little different. Can ask their questions. Absolutely, absolutely,
1: yeah. and it worked out much better. And I, to tell you the truth, I actually think it was a bit of a um, education for the physician. This was a specialist because I, I think they didn't realize that the, the approach, actually the impact. So it was educational in terms of people aren't aware they're going to get this. I love when our medical director will say the term fire the warning shot so that people kind of know that something is coming so that then they can make sure that who, who do you want here with you? Right. And I have some information to share with you. Uh, would you, would you, is there anybody that you'd like here with you to get this kind of information? That's, that's a good thing to do other other challenges that you're talking about in terms of individuals facing a serious illness is people worry about being a burden to family they worry about uh, and to friends uh, there's so many decisions to make where many serious illnesses aren't terminal the well and sick periods they can be confusing to people exhausting and exhausting hard to from manage her.
0: individuals and caregivers Correct. probably yeah. yeah
1: so you know those are some of the other other additional challenges that can come from
0: it as well and I know there's those day-to-day challenges, too. You're, you're going to be going to a lot of doctor's appointments. Yeah. You might get sick and end up in the in the emergency room right. often. Yep. Then there can be financial challenges. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything's so expensive. I mean, we haven't, you know, most, a lot of people have insurance. We're in Massachusetts. Everybody's supposed to have insurance. But it right. depends on what they cover. Yeah. And you could have expensive medications. You could have durable medical equipment that you need that isn't covered by your insurance. Co-pays alone. Can wipe you out, depending on your deductibles and all. Right, it's the stress and anxiety right. and oh, what's coming? I don't know. Those are the things I uh, can oh, think absolutely. of. Oh, you absolutely. Know? And and no, the points are
1: you're so busy doing those things, like you're talking about with with M, uh, the visits and all of that. P- people do minimize those secondary losses that you're referring to, like the financial stress. What if people have to come out of the workforce? Role oh, does that role too. changes. And, and there is, there's a significant amount of grief that's associated with first of all you're you're hearing some some difficult news about having a serious illness and as roles change as things unfold there's this like I said you have to adapt to a new normal and and life as you know it isn't the same there's a lot of grief in all that's associated with this
0: while you're trying to navigate day-to-day responsibilities and because life as you know it is never going to be the same again right. once that's you know once yep. they've been diagnosed So that 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 definitely is hard for everyone. Absolutely, for everyone. Yep, emotions are going to be changing. You know, there's going to be a lot of shifting with emotions. There's going to be happiness, sadness. There's going to be, like you said, grief. So much could be going on. Depression. Absolutely, it's a roller coaster.
1: Roller coaster ride of emotions, and trying to. Understand that because people can also get alarmed at that, too, when you're the, the, you know, the angry one minute and then you're, you know, joyous another minute. You you know, you the, 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 you have to be able to uh, be gentle with yourself, be gentle with the people around you, for the people around you to be gentle all
0: around. It's, it's an uh, understanding. It's, yeah. I would think gentle and understanding. Yeah. yeah. Um, because there's going to be so much that's going to be changing. Absolutely, and always keep an eye out for those physical changes, but those emotional and emotional changes. Absolutely, too. I always worry about the depression piece because it can be treated, but a lot of people don't want to talk about it. Right. You can see the symptoms when someone has CHF, COPD, has a cancer. You you know there's going to be side effects from different drugs, but right. when someone gets depressed and they don't talk about it, and their mood changes, and you're not you're you're not a medical professional. You don't know what's going on. So, do you know that they're depressed? You right. know, yep. And Absolutely. how to identify that, and how to how to be supportive and act on it, help them get the help they need.
1: Absolutely, and so and it's trying to do that discerning, like you say, between what is reaction, what is a, a reactive type of grief to the news, this and that, or what is what could turn into something more of a depression. Uh, you you want to make sure you have the right people around you, the right support systems. I, I'm a firm believer the more support you can get, the better. It's a huge strength to reach out, get the right people. So when I was saying build your team, build your support team, mm-hmm. yet that means informal, with the people who love you that surround you, whether that be family, friends, colleagues, whoever that is, but make sure you got your other support system too with the right team members uh, for your professional team as well. And, and that's addressing your spirit, mind, and body and making sure that all of that is taken care of too. Which we talk to so much in hospice. We always talk about it,
0: sure. Like we always say, or I always say, it takes a village. Oh, it does. So when someone's diagnosed with a serious illness, it's going to take a village to get through this. Absolutely, it does. Yeah, of course, I have my quote. (laughs) I like this one from Kelly Hemingway. It says, sometimes you will be in control of your illness, and other times you'll sink into despair. But that's okay. Freak out. Forgive yourself and try again tomorrow. Nice, yeah. Not a bad quote though, right? When yeah. you're thinking about it, because that's gonna all that's gonna happen. You are gonna freak out. Then hopefully you're gonna pick yourself up and live your life. Because like we always say, live your life to the fullest. Right. For as yeah. much time as you have yeah. left. So, what are the needs of people and families facing a serious illness, and what are the needs that they they're gonna face yeah, uh, they, on this journey? Sure, they need they need good health care. They, they need to be
1: followed in that way. You need good social supports that we're talking about too, and who can help with those needs, and the resources too. You know, access and, and people's basic needs. Uh, you know, I I always say too uh, in my career that I, I, I'm a firm believer that therapy is a wonderful thing for people, that everybody goes through changes in their life that they need to reach out, whether individually or group-wise or things like that. But you also have to make sure people's basic needs are met. And if mm-hmm. the basic needs aren't met, then you know sometimes the other stuff, it, it can't follow. So so you need the basics. You need access to food. You need access to housing and personal care and transportation and the financial support you had mentioned. Sometimes people aren't even aware of these secondary losses and hitting people this there's a big financial component when somebody has a serious it illness. Sure is. And not just for the person, but for the family too. So this can affect everybody. Symptom relief is another thing. How can you move forward if if your symptoms are not in control? If your focus is on like you say pain nausea vomiting anxiety other things like that how can you how can you have any quality of life or live fully or do all those things so we got to make sure that those things are in control um you got to have that care coordination and the communication you got to have those open things and make sure that again you have that team working uh, all together in terms of how to move forward Um, There's difficult decisions that are made, and this is a process. It doesn't happen one time. This is ongoing because things change as diseases change. So you're constantly revamping your decisions and and, and your plan of care and how that goes. You're always evaluating what a person's values and preferences and priorities are in that way. I mentioned earlier about getting disease-specific information. I, I see people that are overcome with anxiety and, and fear. And, and part of that, like you mentioned too, was that you, you don't have the proper information. It can be overwhelming too. And it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's going to follow that same course. But the more information we have around a disease process, that it, can more, it can help to allay those kinds of fears.
0: It can help you with your questions to your doctors. If you're looking at different treatment options and pros and cons about what to expect, if you do your research and you have that information, you can ask the right questions. Definitely. Absolutely. People want control. They want autonomy. They do, no matter what age, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they want to feel in control. Yeah.
1: We talked with people's spiritual needs. And, and boy, people need to be heard. <laughs> it's people want to be listened to. They want to be heard. People also need to be respected culturally. That's another huge factor for people. And this advanced care planning, wow,
0: you got to do it.
1: You I know have we have your w-
0: things in charge, right? You got to have your th- your stuff in place. We do, and we talked. We did a whole episode on advanced care planning, and it's um, your wishes, you, you know, yeah. your goals. What do you want? And to make sure everybody knows about it too, right?
1: Yep. Take so charge. there's no
0: confusion at the end. What you want and what's going to be done. Yep. Uh, so you have to plan ahead. You do. You do have to plan ahead, um, and you know, think about what's important and what's not, and talk about it. We you say that all the time you need to talk about it. Yeah. Someone's diagnosed with a serious illness. When is a good time to start talking and asking all these questions and all your support circles around you? Earlier is better, right? We got to do it from the start. Right from the beginning. Right from the start. Don't go, don't go high. Don't go, you know, lock yourself away and hope it goes away. Just, no. just stop planning now no. right away. I always hope that people are talking earlier anyhow, but when it doesn't
1: happen, when the time comes and something does happen like this, when and, and particularly like a serious illness or whatever, you gotta talk right away. You gotta open those lines of communication. I, I'm a firm believer and I always encourage you, you know me for so long now, and I'm sure. constantly talking about open communication and, and talking about these hard subjects. We gotta be able to do this. So you, have to, you gotta really talk to people so you know what's really important to the people. You gotta engage in daily activities, physical comfort. You, you, you gotta make sure that people People are able to be alert and to be able to do this. We got to understand how much people can tolerate in that way in terms of their, you know, we always ask people about on a pain level, right? Our our physicians will talk to them because we assume that everybody's going to say a zero. We got to ask people questions. And some people say, no, you know, they want to be a three on a pain scale. So th- these are questions that p- people don't ask. We just make assumptions about people of what they want and it's not necessarily even family members think they know what a person wants. They don't know. They got to ask the questions. So it's really important that we understand what people's priorities are, what's important to them so that again treatment approaches and and just how the plan unfolds aligns to that.
0: And get this done early because early you don't know what the disease is going to do nope. and how quickly how how fast, how slow it's going to move. So, like you said, do it quickly. What resources are out there for people with a serious illness that they can tap into? I I love when people pursue information around disease specific. There's a lot of disease specific
1: organizations. So whether it be the the you know the cancer society, you know The American Heart, Heart Society, Dissoci- yep. yeah. There's, very, there's a lot Alzheimer's of it. Alzheimer's Association, uh, um, association. Yeah. can't say enough about those a lot of resources around that. So I really feel like people should pursue that. There's a lot of community agencies. I'm a big fan of the elder service agencies um, love as the elder you services. know yep. um, they're fabulous um, but again home care agencies, things like that you've got uh, you know there's adult day there's all kinds of stuff out there that people aren't even aware of palliative and hospice care. Which people need to about, have, right. a, people have a, a, a serious illness. Wow, w- palliative care is so good about having these conversations with people about advanced care planning
0: goals of care. Those are your and specialists. You know what? Speaking of, and you're saying start early, people are now trying to figure out how to have those conversations and even what do I have to think about. But that's a good point, Mary, with palliative care and you have a serious illness, bring them in early. Right. I always see palliative care because, you know, we provide the community palliative care through Care Dimensions. I always see people being introduced to palliative care when they really should be being introduced to hospice. They have weeks left to live instead of months or a year. But if they brought palliative care in, six seven eight months prior they could have just been working out all those details absolutely and had an expert yes you know when i say expert one of our nurse practitioners or physicians help them and help guide them through that um that journey right so if you bring in palliative care earlier with a serious illness it would be like another expert helping you out absolutely. think of it as a consult like a cardiologist consult it's a palliative care consult and they come right to your house yeah how awesome is that it's great yeah. and and even if the, d- the particular
1: serious illness that you have takes years to unfold, it doesn't mean that earlier is not better because you don't know how it's going to happen. So these are the times to have the discussion, and then you can bring people back in later as you're going along to continue that
0: conversation and to go as things go along. It's a process. It's a process. So, yes, everything's a process, but fighting a serious illness, that's a process that everybody yep. needs help with. So I'm going to thank everybody for listening again to Living Forever, Not an Option. Please join us next time as we discuss, and this is a good one, telling our stories, the importance of reminiscing and life review. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Living Forever, Not an Option with Lynn Skarmis and Mary Crow. To learn more about KIA Dimensions, please visit our website at www dot dot org or check out our podcast website at www.caredimensions.org dot dot org backslash podcast. We would love to hear from you with questions or comments. Please feel free to email us at podcast at caredimensions dot org and of course you can always call our office at any time. The number is eight 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 two eight three one seven two two.